0: Fantastic. Well, we have been um, spending the last three weeks kind of focusing on worship, and that that that, uh, that that place we connect with God, and and maybe you know different than our service, but our worship is that that emotional connection that we have with God. And today we're going to kind of finish up that series. And so I kind of start with a rhetorical question here. Um, in other words, I'm not expecting to shout out an answer. I'm hoping you won't actually. Uh, if this worship service today, if it started at 10:45, what time does it get over? Yeah. Some of you would say, "Well, it depends on how long-winded the preacher is, isn't that the truth? You know? And, but that's not really the answer. Funny, but it's not really the, the answer I'm looking for. What it really depends on is whether or not we understand what true worship is. You see, worship is supposed to be a lifestyle. It's a way of life for a Christian. It's, it's something we ought to do every day, all during our week. And it's unfortunate that, you know, we have often made worship something that we go to. You know, we go to a place of worship. We, we go to the worship service. And in so many aspects of, of our worship, you know, the Bible, the Bible never says it's someplace that you go to do it. Let me give you some familiar verses. Um, you're all familiar with the verse that it says that we're supposed to pray without ceasing. Prayer and that speaking and communicating to God, that's that's an aspect of our worship. So our prayer, that connection with God, is supposed to be ongoing. I'm supposed to have that continual mindset, not just when I'm here focused on God, but I have that continual mindset filtering through my life throughout the week, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, everything that's coming. When I'm at work, things are going on at home, in the neighborhood, whatever it might be. I'm just filtering these things through and and, and taking them to God. Another familiar verse says, in everything give thanks unto the Father. So does it say in just some things we're supposed to give thanks? I'm thankful for that special music song. I'm I'm thankful for, you know, our our church here. No, it says in everything. So when I'm out there, whether it's my car, my home, my job, you know, the, the smallest thing to the greatest thing. Giving thanks. It, it, it's, it's part of that worship connection that we have with God. In Romans chapter 12, very familiar verses to us, it talks about us laying our lives. A Christian is to lay his life on the altar of God. And then it comes to the end, he said, That act of you and I who know Christ as our Savior, laying ourselves on the altar of God, he says, that is your spiritual act of what? Of worship. That's your spiritual act of worship, giving of my life, all of my life to Christ. And each of these call us to take what we do here today, the praying and the giving thanks and the the singing and the focus that we put on Christ, and let it extend into our everyday life, you know, when we leave here today. So this morning, kind of tying up what we've been talking about for the few weeks, I wanna emphasize some biblical truths to you. I'm, I'm probably not gonna give you anything earth-shaking today, but I wanna just do a little bit of a tune-up of our understanding of our faith and what it means to be a child of God and, and living in a world that is, is not Christ, living in a world that is under the domain of Satan. How can we do that? How can I go out into my workplace, into my communities and into my family where many people don't know you as their Lord and Savior? How do we do this? Well, let me give you some things. Again, they're they're not earth-shaking here, but they're reminders for us. Number one, first truth I want to give you. In this life, in the life of a Christian, there is no distinction between what is sacred and that which is secular. For a Christian, there should be no distinction between what is sacred and what is secular. When one becomes a child of God, these two dissolve into each other. All of life for a Christian is sacred. Everything that we do in life is sacred. Remember when Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he, he was discussing what they should do and the things that they shouldn't do, and he concluded that counsel in 1 Corinthians 10.31. He said this, he said, whether then you eat or drink, Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I mean, the, the simplest everyday things that we do, like eating or, or going and getting something to drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You know, no matter what it is in your life, you know, large or small. We, we tend to do the big things to God, but he said even the small things to God. You'll find the same message given to the Christians at Colossae in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. It says that the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your, in your hearts to God. I mean, there's worship that it's talking about there. And then it goes on and it says in verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Everything in our life. You know, we, we, we tend to, in our minds, separate what is happening here as sacred, but what happens out there is secular. God's saying there's no distinction for you. Everything in our life is sacred. Everything is Christ. A few years ago, um, I was talking to a lady who I'd never met before, and uh, when she found out that I was a pastor, uh, she volunteered her assessment of life and religion to me. Uh, and she said these were something like this. She said, I believe that church and religion are fine in their place. But you've got to have another life aside from religion. Okay, so what she was saying, you know, it's fine to be religious. that Those things are all have their place. But then you've got to have this side of you. you know, You kind of break free, let loose, you know, live a little bit on the wild side. I've said it before that, you know, kind of like the, the frosted, uh, what is it, frosted mini wheats, you know, sugary on the one side, the fun-loving, you know, wild side, and then they got the good side, the healthy side for you, and she's kind of saying that, you know, everybody has to have that, and you know, a lot of Christians approach their, their walk with Christ like that, that it's something we put on and we take off, and we put it back on and we, and we take it off, and we come become like a chameleon, depending on the circumstances, tell us whether or not we, we put on our sacred you know, look and our, our attitude, or do we have the secular look, or you know, just to be able to fit in. You see, Christ in worship and fellowship with God, it isn't just for right here. It's not for what we are doing here this morning. I mean, is it only here that I believe that God gives me every single breath that I breathe? Is that only for here? Doesn't he give me every breath that I breathe when I'm at work, when I'm out on the golf course, when I'm, you know, mowing my lawn? Isn't God still there? Isn't he the sustainer of my life? When I'm having a hard time at work, when I'm frustrated, you know, I have sickness, I have loss come into my life. Is not God there? You know, not just here? You know, when I'm a, you know, tempted with, with a sin, you know, maybe this upcoming Friday, is not God there and his word trying to direct me and guide me and, and pull me away from that? You see, what we have here and now, we've made the mistake to think that this is somehow the goal, to have a really good one-hour worship experience, you know, to get together, man, I feel so good, and then we go out in the world and, and we live a different way. This is not the goal. This here and everything that we do here, you know, it's where the body meets. It's where you're supposed to be strengthened in your faith. You're supposed to be encouraged in Christ. You're supposed to be learning more about your God so that you are ready then, I am ready then to go out into a world that I go out into a culture that is not ours and to be a testimony, to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ so that I can see all those things in my life. You see, our point is not to build a church. We're not here building a church. That that deals with this here and all of our ministries and all of our programs. That's not our point, is to build a, a church. Our point is to build the kingdom of God. And that deals with lives. That deals with individuals. That's what we're supposed to be all about. And that encompasses every single area, everything that we do. So in the, Christian, in the life of a Christian, there's no distinction between what is sacred and what is secular. And my friend, as long as you compartmentalize these two and that somehow we think that they are different in our life or that we at least, we're going to live them different, as long as we do that, we will never understand what real Christianity is. And I guarantee you, you are going to be frustrated in your faith. As long as you look at this one hour that you spend on Sunday morning worshiping as somehow being different than all the activities that you have the rest of your week, you're going to miss what true Christianity is all about. I want to take that thought a little bit further for us. Not only is there no difference between that which is sacred and that which is secular for a Christian, also for a believer there is no distinction between our sacrifice what we do in here the work that we do in here and the work that we do out there okay they're not different that you know this isn't you know when I'm teaching Sunday school or someone's on the worship team or working in the sound room or or working on the facility this work here isn't somehow different than the work that I am called to out in the world to do that somehow I do that work different than I do This work in here. It's kind of interesting if if you look at the Old Testament and you look at the Old Testament sacrificial system. um, The understanding from all of history is that blood must be shed for the forgiveness of sin. And so every single time a Jew came to the temple to worship, they brought something to sacrifice. No one ever came to the temple empty handed. Now, once Christ came and offered himself as that one-time final sacrifice for our sin, there's no need for any further sacrifices. But again, remember, the Jews, they are accustomed to bringing something with them when they worship. So, so now what do they do? I mean, God has ingrained this. God has taught them. We come to God to we bring something. So what does he do? What do we do now? Well, the answer is in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I referred to a little earlier. It says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and a holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. What do we bring? What are you supposed to bring? When you come today, what are you supposed to bring to give to God? The answer is you're supposed to bring yourself. When you go out into the world, when you are ambassadors for Christ, what are you supposed to bring the answer is you're supposed to be laying your life on the altar of God. All of who we are, we're supposed to lay it before God as a thanksgiving. You know, for all that he has done. He said that's your your spiritual act of worship. You know, that's the only response that there is to all that Jesus Christ has done that all of my life. Lord, I give it back to you. Our sacrifice, we do it in here, but our work as well as what is what we do out there in the world. Hebrews says something similar in chapter 13, verse 15. It says, Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks in his name. The sacrifice to God which we bring, it's, it's, it's on our lips of praise to him. And again, then, then the next verse kind of complements that in verse 16. It says, and do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. In other words, you go out here, you go away from here, we're still living our faith. The sacrifices that we make, the, the how I interact with my neighbors and my family members and my people at work, all of those things are just an extension of what we do in here. Our sacrifices are service, doing good, to others serving others—that's what God has called us to be. That's an extension of worship. Consider James chapter one. That, that that whole chapter is an indictment of anyone who says they have faith, but they don't have works. In other words, they they can come in here and they 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 praise God, they say the right things, they dress the right way, they act the right way, but then they go out in the world and and it's totally different. And James chapter one, you know, James is kind of blowing that truth you know, that, that philosophy up. And it comes down to verse 26. James says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, you know, I'm a godly person, I'm serving Christ, you know, I'm a Christian. But he says, if, if you're not bridling your tongue, you're deceiving your own heart. This man's religion is is, is, is worthless. I mean, that's an indictment of taking what we do in here and putting the rubber to the road, isn't it? Of how we live and interact out there with our fellow man with other believers in Christ. Very practically, how we talk about them, what we say. You see, what I do out there is a sacrifice that I'm supposed to bring back in here. Verse 27 goes on and says, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God and the Father is this, To visit orphans and widows in their distress. And keep oneself unstained by the world. Folks, that's something we do out there. That's not something we necessarily are doing in here. But God is calling us to take our worship, our relationship with him into very practical ways into our everyday life. And you can make all the claims for God that you want right now. You can say anything you want about God right now. But if we go out there and those claims are not Given hands and feet, then he says it's worthless. It's not of any value. You see, the sacrifice we bring today is the culmination of what we should have been doing yesterday and on Friday and Thursday and Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday, and we all come together then. And this is kind of the culmination of a life lived in, in worship and a life lived in the everyday walk with Jesus Christ. The Apostle John put it like this and. In John, 1 John Chapter 3, verse 17, he said, But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? So if, if, if out there, if we can be you know, loving and caring for our brethren and meeting needs in here, but if we don't go out there and do that same exact thing, how, how can you really say you love God? I mean, this is taking what we are doing in here and begin doing it out in the world, around us. You see, as Christians, we cannot separate the sacred from the secular. Life is an act of worship of the Father. I I, I love the hymn. Um, It's called At the Cross. And I love the last verse of that. It says this. It says, but drops of grief can never repay the debt of love I owe. But here, Lord, I give myself away Tis all that I can do. And that's all God wants us to do, is to give ourselves to him. To give ourselves to him. Not to give a moment, not to give a section of time to him, but to give all of our lives to him. And to what point do we see our indebtedness to God? At what point do we see our love for Jesus Christ to that degree that you see that relationship, you know, as a reality will overflow then into every single area of your life. It's easy for us to look at our lives and think, by our own bootstraps, by our own, you know, cleverness and everything, I've carved out this life that I have for me. You know, what we think we have provided and established or accumulated for ourselves you know, God could take it away just as easily as he has given it to us, as he has blessed us with it. You know, worshiping as a way of life says, looks at all these things in our life and says, God, thank you. Thank you. This is from your hand. You know, Romans 12.1 again, I urge you, brethren, mercies of God, presenting your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And just everything that's happening in your life, to see it pointing to Christ, to an overflow of my relationship with him. So let's kind of bring this to an end. Uh, where do we go from here? Well, let me, t- let me ask you this, or, or tell you this. The only legitimate question for you to ask when you leave here is not how good did the song service go or how much you liked the, the, the special music, I'm not even asking the question, how'd the pastor do? Did I like the message that he delivered? But the question we should all be asking ourselves is, how good did I do? Did you do? Ask yourself that in rendering my worship to God. Do I understand what I'm going to be taking here in this kind of, you know, the encouraging and, and strengthening that we do here? Am I ready to go out now into the world and to be Jesus Christ to the world around me? to be that testimony to him, you know, to give our worship hands and feet out in the world that that Christ is sending us to. You know, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, it says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine then before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Folks, the service, it started at 1045. But the answer to that question is, when does it end? Is that it never ends. It never ends in the life of a person who knows what it means to truly worship God. We just take our worship somewhere else. We take our worship into the, our homes and into our jobs and into our communities and our, our, with our friends and relationships, whatever it might be. That's the life that Christ has called us to. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this simple truth. I thank you for reminding me of this. It's easy, Lord, to, to just look at what we're doing in here and, and and just, I don't know, kind of letting it be the standard, Father, for whether I'm doing good or not. But Father, you you are so practical. Our faith is to have hands and feet. My worship is supposed to happen in my car and in my home and in my workplace. Father, I pray that you will within each and every one of our hearts, Lord. Just move us closer to this. Maybe an area that we've compartmentalized you. Help us to release it to you, Lord. we may truly be ambassadors for you that we truly might have worship as a way of life. Thank you, Father. In thy son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.